minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. We've gone for main engine start. We have main engine start. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. We all feel better. We all feel better in the dark. In the dark. In conclusion, if you find yourself falling asleep, having a dream child in the middle of a nightmare, while you're trying to wake up when you're being chased by a guy with razors on his fingers, and you don't know it's a new nightmare, and then you got Jason, he's got an axe, got Kelly rolling, she's not saying, nightmare baby, nightmare baby, nightmare baby. Flow. H-Y. Once upon a time on a Super Bowl night, two guys from BK brought the points to life. Gave you some previews and some laughs. Was it no big thing? No one thought it would last. Then one started growling at the mention of a chick. The other guy would lose it every time he got pissed. Next thing you know, they got a good fan base. So they said, what the hell? Let's continue to pace. No stone uncovered. They will take on a topic. Might bring on a guest and together they rock it. Cause they're in like Flint. Two mice is a cool. If you don't know the beautiful one, they'll take you to school. I'm talking about Tom, DJ, and Derek Ferguson. The best podcast out, hands down, it's set. So when they in the car, if you're chilling in the park, welcome to another show of better in the dark. It's MTV at your house. A whole day of MTV. Broadcast from your home. Dude, dude, dude looks like a lady. Anyone, anything that gets in our way is lunch meat. Oh, did someone say lunch? <laughs> You know, being in fashion means being an individual. Yo, man, how come you got no pictures of Adam West on the wall? Cesar Romero, the real Joker, the Penguin, the Riddler, me. Hey, you want pictures of Robin? Send away to the Autobot Society and get the hell out of my stuff! And until we get back in touch with you... Go watch that movie. Right, Davin? Go watch that movie. <laughs> now, it's been two weeks for you people. For you people. But it's actually been about, what, 10 minutes? About 10, 15 about minutes. 10, 15 minutes. It's like time travel. Yeah, That's exactly. what I love about doing this podcast, because they're listening to us, for them, two weeks later. Yeah. But for us, it's actually only been 10 or 15 minutes. Right. So now, when we last left off... We started off on one of our famous tangents. Right. We had just finished our obscure movie episode, which you should have listened to by now. And incidentally, this is Derek Ferguson. Oh, and this is Thomas DJ. And this is Better in the Dark. Do you think, by the way, that somebody just blindly downloads us at this point, doesn't know what Better in the Dark is? Uh, Maybe they're like trying to get Dessa's show, Dread Media, and accidentally clicks on our show? Yeah. And they're like... Wait a minute, this ain't Dread Media. I can see that happening. But I think if they give us 10 minutes, yes, they will say, hey, you know what? These guys are pretty cool. Right. Give us 10 minutes, we'll get your mind. Oh, absolutely. A little bit more than that, hopefully. Depends upon who we're grabbing. For you, it's been two weeks. But for us, it's been 10 minutes. And this is what happened. At the end of the Obscure Movies episode, which, like I said, I hope you've listened to, you will notice that Tom and I started a discussion about music videos. And how music video has changed. And Tom and I, both of us being intensely interested in music, Tom a little bit more professionally than I am, and I freely admit this, he's got a more broader knowledge of of more genres. Right. 
then I do primarily my interests lie in R&B, mm-hmm. 70s and 80s. And by R&B, we're not talking about that auto-tune sludge that you kids listen to. No, I'm talking about the stuff that I Otis do. Otis Redding, Gladys I'm Knight. talking about Motown, Stax. Chess. The sound sound of Philadelphia. That's what I grew up on. Barry White. So we were talking about that at the end of that episode, and Mm -hmm. we made a spur-of-the-moment decision, which we can do because this is our podcast. That's right. Since we're talking about this already... We're already burning a trail right through it. Let's just... And since the last episode was running about two and a half hours, we said, let's just cut this off, take a break, and then come back and finish our discussion. Right. So this is what you're going to be getting right now. fair, we've said that 2012 is going to be a year of tying up loose ends. And I think that there is one episode, I don't know which episode it is, where we were talking about music videos and we said we should do a whole episode on them. So this is it. Right. So this is it. We're going to be doing it because for a lot of you listening to this, music videos is nothing big. Tom and I were there at the birth of. At the birth of music videos. As a phenomenon, though, of looking at the music video history page mm-hmm. from Wikipedia, and they trace it all the way back to 1894 as being the, wow. the first music video, so mm-hmm. to speak. It wasn't a video at the time, it was a music mm-hmm. film. But there were stops along the way before MTV, the network, opened its doors. I want to take the earliest music video that I can remember, mm-hmm. even though it wasn't called a music video. Right. Do you remember War? Why Can't We Be Friends? Yeah. They did the song mm-hmm. and they were acting they it wasn't called a music video of yeah. course, but they did a little short film for Why Can't We Be Friends and they were singing, they had a little bit of animation exactly. with the big face that was on right. the cover. Oh well, yeah, I mean and that was before like, that. The Beatles did short films even before they did the two feature films that they did. Hard Days yeah. Night and Help. Yeah. Help is little music video. They do this song. That's what it is, really. It's a movie of music videos really strung together. The Monkees, which we've talked about in the past, is pretty much another because you would have these short films at the end of every story, which would be just the band performing one of its hits. Right. But even before that, in the 50s, the Scopitone was mm-hmm. created in France, which is the first video jukebox. Mm. You'd pay your money, and instead of hearing the record, there was a television on the top, and mm-hmm. it would show little films of the artist performing. The most famous one that I can think of, made in America, they made a lot in France with Jacques Brel and the like such, is the one that Nancy Sinatra did for These Boots Are Made For Walking. Okay. With her on the little stage in the center. Yeah. And the, the chorus lines on the other side. Ever. Right. For all kinds of purposes, what we know as music videos started really in, actually technically 1978, when Queen decided they could not appear on top of the pops to perform their song Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. Because it was just so complex, and there were so many harmonies and different vocal switches. They oh felt, yeah, yeah, they couldn't. They, could they re- felt they couldn't properly do it live. Perform it live. Mm-hmm. So their producer came up with the idea. They rented out a warehouse, and they shot over the course of a day what is known as probably the first official music video in the modern age mm-hmm. for Bohemian Rhapsody, where it was just the group in different kind of settings throughout this warehouse singing the song, and then it was put through video vocoder and just yeah. added special visual effects. I would actually kind of dispute that. Mm-hmm. You know what I consider to be the first actual music video? Well, and if you look at it, that's how they showed it on MTV and VH1. They showed it as a music yeah. video. That's how well it was shot. Elvis Presley, Jailhouse Rock. You've got a number of these things going back. 
The Doors did a couple of film performances. Mm-hmm. The famous Bob Dylan 1966 version of Subterranean's Homesick Blues. Okay. Which was him standing in front of the L.A. Basin with cards with key words from the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Just flipping them. Just flipping the cards, yeah. That counts as a music video. So music videos were a long time in coming before, of course, somebody came up with the idea of, hey, let's do an entire network. Network of movie, yeah, of you music know, videos. Everybody knows famously the first song was Video Killed the Radio Star by yeah. the Buggles. Showed up. In August 1st, 1981 at 12.01 a.m., MTV launched with the words, Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll, spoken by John Lack, and played over footage of the first space shuttle launch countdown of Columbia. Do you remember the name of the original video DJs? Oh, my God, Kurt Loder. Well, Kurt Loder was the news person. I like Kurt Loder because he was business-like. But he didn't... And you gotta wonder what was going through Kurt, his head. Kurt Loder had, was like, this is the job, this is... You like, had Nina Blackwood. Julie Brown. Julie Brown came later. Later, okay. The original five, if I remember correctly, were Nina Blackwood. I remember. Manita Blackwood, yeah. Oh, what was it? There was a, the tall blonde idiot. I want to say Mark Epstein, but we know that's not him. There should be a list here somewhere. I'm sure there is. Because this was a concept that they Well, Randy introduced. Jackson was one of the first Randy original. Jackson, yeah. They introduced the concept of the VJ. Not the, the VJ. They, that they were, of course, people... Ah. Here we just go. like on the radios, but they were guys you could see who introduced the song, gave you a little background, tidbits of information on the songs and the artists and okay. you know, whatever. Adam Curry... Adam Curry, okay. Who has since become this kind of like tech guru. Right. J.J. Jackson, I think, was in that first group. Alan Hunter, that's why I was Alan thinking Alan Hunter, okay. And, of course, the one that I will always remember because I had a serious crush on her, and so did a lot of guys around that age, Martha Quinn. Martha Quinn, yeah, okay. You what know. is she doing these days? Lord knows. No. Adam Curry is now commonly known as the Podfather. Yeah. Alan Hunter, I think, became an agent. Okay. After his time. Good for him. Nina Blackwood is still floating around. I think she hosts a syndicated radio show. Yeah, you hear her name pop up every once you in know. a while. And The thing about MTV is that for people like me and you who mm-hmm. were there when it started, and I tell this to people who are younger than us mm-hmm. and they really don't understand what the big deal is. But see, they weren't there when you and I were and, right. saw a star and really can't appreciate how revolutionary. Oh, that MTV. was the guy I thought who looked like Epstein. Who's that? Juan Epstein. Mark Goodman. Mark Goodman, okay. Mark Goodman was the guy who looked like the guy who unfortunately just died today. Yeah, we're recording this on the day that Robert Hedges, who was one of the sweat hogs on Welcome Back, Carter, one of my favorite shows of the 70s. Are they still going through with the TV movie? Ice Cube is supposed to be playing Mr. Cotter. But you know how it is. It's anything that was vaguely popular for more than five minutes. I mean, my gosh, we're getting Jonah Hill and 21 Jump Street. I wasn't a big fan of 21 Jump mm-hmm. Street, but it seems like they just are going for a complete whole comedy on this one. This, yeah. Uh, they're trying to... Johnny Depp yeah. is confirmed. He's, he's going to be in this. He's got a cameo. And you know one. what? We all know how successful it was when they did Starsky and Hutch back in the 90s. How hard would it have been to do a Starsky and Hutch in period and do it straight? It wouldn't have been that hard, but they feel like they have to turn everything to, well, this was so cheesy and corny. Let's make it into a comedy. Well, not SWAT. They didn't make that a yeah. well, You couldn't make SWAT into a comedy. Right. When MTV started, mm-hmm. I was in college. I remember that people would swarm the student lounge on the first floor and just watch MTV. Yeah, I remember. What year did it start again? 1981. 1981. Okay, I was looking for the Board of Education. And I remember when it started. And on Saturdays and Sundays, I remember distinctly. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in front of the TV for at least three or four hours yeah. on the weekend and do nothing but watch MTV. You walked into people's homes. They left mm-hmm. MTV on. And it was visual wallpaper. Without MTV, we would not have gotten a new wave. 
I'll tell you why. In the excellent book, I Want My MTV, it's an oral history. I love oral histories. Mm -hmm. It's revealed that part of the problem MTV had when it first started was that American bands weren't making these film clips. However, because there was this great tradition in Britain of Pop of the Pops Mm -hmm. and Whistle Test and all these music-based shows, it was common for a lot of these bands to do little short film clips to show on those shows. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal for them. Right. And on top of that, a lot of the American bands were kind of resistant. People who were signed to American labels just were kind of resistant to the idea, well, you want us to be what? So to fill out the 24 hours for for many years... They were nothing but film clips. Mm-hmm. They went and they got Duran Duran, Ultravox, The Police. Ah, uh, yeah. All these bands that already had these ready-made videos. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that showed up in those early days, and I remember this video, I'm trying to remember who did it, but I remember it very clearly. It was for a song called Norman Bates. My name is Norman Bates. Mm-hmm. I am a normal guy. The band, I think it was called Landscape or something like that, coming to the Norman Bates house and wandering the corridor and there was mm-hmm. this like dance number with women behind shower curtains and just very strange. You had things like Total Kawa and these bands that otherwise would probably have never had gotten exposure. Well, there was a lot of bands right here that their careers were made because of not even their music so much as the videos that yeah. they did. Once they started making these videos, people weren't actually looking forward to their next song so much as, well, what's the video they're going to do that goes right. with it? When you look, you say, oh, wow, their visual style or just how they look or how they presented themselves or just because you've never seen them before right because there was a lot of people especially out in like hinterlands like idaho and and Kentucky and stuff like that. The funny See, thing was, the first people to be exposed to music videos were the Midwest because that's where MTV right. first got distributed. There's the point I'm making is that there's a lot of people that would never otherwise have a chance to see these bands. Like Chameleon Club. Where yeah. was you going to see Boy George in Idaho? You right. wasn't, but you turn on your TV right, and it was MTV. Mm-hmm. And boom, there was Boy George and Culture Club right. doing Karma Chameleon. I think we can safely say Duran Duran was the first big star of the video generation. Hungry Like the Wolf. Hey, Adam and the Ants. Adam and Ant. They must have played Goody Two Shoes every hour on the hour. Blondie. Heart of Glass. Yeah. That was another one they played every hour mm-hmm. on the hour. People forget how long. Because we look at MTV now, and there's no music on And that. it is so sad. But I realize intellectually that everything does has its time. Yeah. And this is what me and you have talked about in mm-hmm. private conversations, is that it seems like YouTube has taken over, and Vivo, and things like that online, where people go to watch their videos now. Mm-hmm. And even now, mm-hmm. I was going to try to call it up and show you, because even on Xbox 360, yeah. you'll get YouTube now. So now, yes, you can yeah. watch music videos on your TV through PlayStation, but I don't know. To me, the magic has been lost when you can just right. go on and see it on VH1. I miss how MTV and VH1 used to be. Right. That's where you went to watch your music videos. You want to explode some myths here. The myth that there were no black artists before Michael Jackson. No, what are you tell Of course there was. There were, yeah. The thing was, MTV had this very strict album-oriented rock format. The first black act was The Specials, a ska band from England, which had black members in it. Mm-hmm. But people like Eddie Grant. Mm-hmm. Eddie Grant, this reggae singer... Yeah, Eddie Grant. Electric Avenue. Was a niche guy, so Electric- he found himself with a top ten hit. Electric Avenue. A lot of these songs that I love now, yeah. that's how I found them through MTV mm-hmm. and VH1. Electric Avenue. 
Never heard of Eddie Grant before. Right. Turn on my TV one day, go to MTV, there he is singing on Electric right. Avenue. Billy Ocean, I found him mm-hmm. through MTV. Never heard of Billy Ocean before. I saw his videos on MTV. Well, this is going to be one of these stories where people are never going to know what the real thing is. Because the story do. goes, CBS Epic Records wanted to get Michael Jackson on MTV. Okay. But MTV resisted because Michael Jackson Infinite is their AOR format. Now, supposedly, according to most reports. President of CBS Records, Walter Nietnikoff, denounced MTV in a curse word laden screed and threatened to pull every artist who was on CBS Records. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. However, Les Garland, the acquisitions head at MTV, claims that never happened. And there's other reports, so we'll never know what actually happened, but what eventually happened was that Michael Jackson's Billie Jean showed up on MTV, launching this man into the stratosphere. I think it was that and Duran Duran which made people realize that MTV could be a kingmaker. Oh, absolutely. Once people realize, because all they had to do was just look at the sales of the albums and say, mm-hmm. I done sold how many albums this week yeah. since the video was shown? And I think even Duran Duran, they made it a policy that even before their singles would go on the radio, yeah. they had a video done yeah. that would be on MTV. They were used to that because they were used to making these films for British television. Mm-hmm. And they had them far back to their first album, which was mm-hmm. not released at that time in America. So they had videos for Planet Earth and videos for Save a Prayer and all this already. Well, you make a good point that bands like U2. Right. They knew how to work MTV to their advantage yeah. to get the maximum exposure. And I think also, yeah, well, a lot you of know, these, these European the, bands, the European they, bands, they knew the, how to work MTV. The new wave bands. Right. Like the, the Cars. Yeah, the like Cars. Like the Replacements. Like the Ramones, even. They knew how to work MTV in a way that American... Well, because they were much more open, really, I think, yeah. to the idea of music as theater. Whereas a lot of the harder rock bands, the famous story of Billy Squire, we might as well talk briefly about Billy Squire. Mm-hmm. Billy Squire was a major rock star mm-hmm. in the late 70s and early 80s. And then he did his first music video for a song called Rock Me Tonight in a pink aerobics top. Ooh. Generally considered to be one of the worst music videos ever made. Ooh. And some things once seen, folks, yeah. cannot be unseen. <laughs> Forget about the guy who did Everybody Wants You and The Swing and all this other stuff. But he claims has killed his career. But do you think, let me ask you, and see, this is again my thinking. I get the impression that, okay, we're talking about two distinct types. You have your European bands yeah. who embrace this as an art form, just as much as expression as mm. well as trying to sell some albums here. But then you got your American artists who are much more willing to let their record labels handle their videos as product. Mm -hmm. Let's just sell shit. So you had the police. Right. Every breath you take. And every breath you take is nothing but them just standing there. I want to talk about that because that was directed by one of my favorite early music video directors. That was the thing that was interesting was that we had this new job description. The music video director. Every breath you take. The thing I love about that song is that it is a song that so many people go, oh, what a sweet love song. It's not. No, it's, it's a not. song it's about a, a stalker. Which just says to me how a lot of people really don't listen to yeah. the words of the song. That is a creepy-ass song. Yes. Mac the Knife. 
Matt the knife is about a serial killer. Yeah. And oh, the people have such teeth. When they used it for the McDonald's commercial, I said, do they really know what that song is about? I love how last year one of the biggest pop hits that I enjoyed was Foster the People's Pumped Up Kicks. And I would have, hell, I had Snowball coming up and I'm like, I love that song. It's so happy. And I'm like, do you realize that it is a song about a high school student finding his father's gun, going to school, and killing everybody? Yeah. Do you listen to it? Yeah. But it goes again back to what we were talking about in the last episode yeah. that prompted this episode. You and I grew up with the song as story where mm-hmm. you actually had to listen to the lyrics to get what they're talking about. And the thing, people don't listen to lyrics anymore. Every breath you take. That's a creepy asshole. Yes, but people play that at the wedding. Godly and Cream mm. directed that video and did it in the style of the old jazz Scopatones. Right. Oddly enough, bringing it back to the origins. And I would actively wait for a Godly and Cream video. The thing I loved about their work, and they started their videos as videos for their own band called 10CC. Uh, I'm sure you remember the video for Cry. Yes, I do. Which still looks kind of disturbing. Even though we know how primitive the CGI effects are for that. Mm. With the, but that makes it work. If you watch yeah. it today, and if y'all guys go to YouTube, I'm sure you can find... Well, you can find just about every yeah. video that we're discussing on YouTube. Yeah, and the thing I used to love about Godly and Cream as video directors, they would go out of their way to not make their videos look like videos. Okay. So you would have Life in One Day by Howard Jones, and it's a bunch of channel flips. It's somebody flipping a channel, and then they keep coming back to the song, but you see all this other weird bullcrap. <laughs> the thing that they did with Huey Lewis and the News for Hip to Be Square. I love that. Where they yeah. found a dental camera, the camera that a dentist will use to look for cavities, and put their camera in the dental camera mm-hmm. and shot the entire video through the dental camera. That's why it's so fragmentary. And see, this is why we're talking about this, folks. This is the type of creative experimentalism, mm-hmm. yeah. if that's even a word, that went on. Because when the music video started, nobody, yeah. as art form, they didn't know what this was going to be, so there was no rules, and nobody said, well, you can't do this, so let's do everything. Mm-hmm. Like the famous one, and Family Guy did a really good parody yeah. of this video. Aha, uh-huh. take it on me. With the whole Droid thing Now okay You guys today Be looking at Well what was the big deal When that came out That blew people's mind Even something as Primitive looking As the Tom Tom Club's Genius of Oh man I love that Which is just This really primitive Anime Despite what they Will tell you I know a lot of people Point to Money for nothing Or they'll point to Aha as being the first Video that includes Animation Mm. No that was The first video Was was Genius of Love And Genius of Love Just talking about Strictly music This is a song That was made We're talking about Almost 30 years Yeah That thing sounds like It was made yesterday Then you also had For a while Because of the music videos You had Music video albums. Mickey, the Tony Basil song, yeah. started out as part of a music video album that she put together. Okay. Tony Basil was this choreographer. She's in the monkey's head that we've talked about in a previous... And she just decided to do this music video album of various songs that she put together, mm-hmm. including Mickey, which was influenced, obviously, by her love of cheerleading competitions. Oh, yeah, because that's what it is. It's a yeah. cheerleading song. You had things that were just as ambitious. Look at Sydney Lauper, who straddled two worlds back then, because she was yeah. heavily into the wrestling world, and she did the song for the Goonie, Good Enough, where she had all her wrestling pals on there, and they did that as a two-part mini-movie. The first part was eight, nine minutes long, and then you had the second part, and they was going through the Goonie caverns, right. and you had cameos yeah. by people from the movie and 
Yeah, that but was you a, see, Lauper is one of those people that came up through the art rock phases in late 70s. Like, that included the Talking Heads, the Ramones, mm-hmm. Blondie, the B-52s. Mm-hmm. People who, because they were already into the idea of music as theater. As theater, right, exactly. You look at those really early Talking Heads videos. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite videos, Once in a Lifetime. Oh, a bit, which is... Oh, Choreographed by Tori Basil. And it's just David Byrne doing this dance that was influenced by anthropological film strips. You listen to the song. Yeah. The song being said, this is not my beautiful, beautiful house. This, this is, is not, not my beautiful, beautiful wife. wife. Letting the days go by. Let the water flowing down. Letting the days go by. Water flowing underground. Into the blue again. After the money's gone. Once in a lifetime. I mean, you can't beat. As a matter of fact, they made the movie. For, have yeah. you ever seen that one where he's... Uh, like, true story. True story. You had like the most unlikely people becoming stars. Wall of Voodoo had Mexican radio, which still features at that time probably one of the most disturbing moments where the face comes up from the pot of beans. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that, and this is what I was saying earlier on, became stars, not just strictly because of their music, but because of the videos that they put out. And people say, oh my God, that video is so out there. Look at Madonna. Madonna's video was banned in half the world. Like a prayer? Like a prayer was banned in half the world. Because, you know, it's, oh my God, we can't show this. And eventually MTV did show an edited version of right. it. It wasn't until later on until that you got to see the whole uh, I'm video. not a big fan of Madonna. And I'm, uh, another reason why I'm not going to miss watching the Super Bowl this year is I don't want to see her 60-year-old faux British self prancing around on the Lucas Oil Stadium stage. But give her credit for this. She was one of the first artists to know how to play MTV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. By courting controversy, by courting censorship. Same thing happened to an extent with Duran Duran, with the girls on film video. Yeah, yeah. Duran Duran. They were one of the first that said, okay, mm-hmm. my argument is, is that they became stars because they knew how to play MTV. Madonna was the same way, and that's why MTV loved her, because yeah. they say she's getting us ratings, she's getting us And on top of that, contracts. other acts, like David Bowie. David Bowie was always interested in film, and suddenly... He had a medium in which to express himself. Yeah. So his first album, the MTV Age, which was Let's Dance, featured these strange and wonderful videos for all these different songs that he mm-hmm. would put out for China Girl and Oh China Girl Let's yeah. Dance Let's, and yeah. all yeah just some weird weird wonderful mm-hmm. stuff and this was back during a time when a video didn't have to be the length of the song you would have these long evolved- oh yeah yeah you would have videos that would be seven minutes long mm-hmm. but only two or three minutes would be the actual song it'd be a whole prequel a whole story leading up well to I recently posted on I think the Facebook site a video for the song Reach by Martini Ranch okay which was directed by James Cameron which is something else we should get into and it featured a four minute prologue which featured among other things Jeanette Goldstein Ooh. and Catherine Bigelow has bounty hunters searching for Bill Paxton who was the lead singer of the band at the time you got these people who were actually going let's make mini movies yeah well that's what a lot was especially when I know where you're going well you had these major Hollywood directors recorded to do Brian De Palma Brian De Palma did uh, Martin Scorsese. There you go. John Landis. Yep. Most famous. John Landis, but probably the most famous video of all time. Right. Yeah, thrill, of course. Michael Jackson's thriller, which probably still is. You got prisoners all over the world with this movie. Yeah. Take a license plate. They're outside in the courtyard doing the thriller. Yeah. <laughs> What else did 
do. He did the black and white yes. video too. With I'm not sure. I'm not going to swear to this, but I believe yeah. he did the one with him and Paul McCartney. Say, say, say. Say, 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 yeah. I think John Landis did that. I'm not sure about that either. I know that Martin Scorsese did Jackson's video for Bad. Yeah, which was filmed right in Hoyt's Gimmerhorn. There you go. Where Michael Jackson early on had filmed The The Wiz. Yeah. Which we discussed in an earlier episode. So see, folks, it's all circular. It all ties together. (laughs) And for the first ten years, there was such a... uh, Wild Wild West mentality of anything goes. And then you also had the video directors like Russell Mulcahy, who right. did a lot of Duran Duran's earlier videos, who then got a chance to become film directors. Film directors. Yeah, right. You had a lot of guys that came, a lot of guys who are still directing now. Tony yeah. Scott, yeah. the brother of what's the his Ridley name? Scott. Ridley Scott, yeah, he came out of video. And vice versa. And then you had artists. One of my favorite bands from that time is New Order. New Order was the remnants of Joy Division. They were slightly more popular, a little bit more electronic. And they had a habit of finding fine artists mm-hmm. to do their videos. So you had William Wegman. William Wegman is the guy who name. does the dog photos. Doing a version of Blue Monday. One of my favorite videos of all time by New Order is Bizarre Love Triangle. Done by the painter Robert Longo. And he did just a strange, strange video. He then went on to do a couple, and then did Johnny Mnemonic, and that was the end of his career. Oh, yeah. Well, we never heard from yeah. him again. But since we're on the subject of the favorite videos, what are some of your favorite videos, if I may be so bold? Well, we've already talked about Once in a Lifetime. Oh, yeah. Well, that, Already yeah. talked about Bizarre Love Triangle. Mm-hmm. Another New Order video that I absolutely loved is one that Michael Powell of Peeping Tom and the oh, Red really? Shoes fame did. Mm-hmm. It it was, I think, one of the last things he did before he died for Round and Round. It was, it was strange. It was just this rapid succession of shots of these various faces. There was some of the videos that Stan Ridgeway did after he left Wall of Voodoo for songs like The Big Heat and Drive, he said, mm-hmm. which were these weird little noir mini-movies. What else? What else? What else can I think of off the top of my head? Some of Peter Gabriel's was. Oh! Gabriel what? was freaky! Sledgehammer! You look at Sledgehammer and you say, what the fuck was the he on? The thing about he, Peter Gabriel's videos <laughs> is that they were almost full-on horror movies. <laughs> Even before Sledgehammer, which was done by a series of different animators, he divvied up the various lyrics to different animators who yeah. animated the, a certain section. Mm-hmm. There was the first video that came on that he did that was the first video of the post-MTV era, Shock the Monkey. Oh, yeah. Which is just a straight-on horror film. Yeah, I watched Shock the Monkey. I said, yeah, I like this song, but I don't want to be bothered with this video. I said, I don't want to watch this. Yeah, and uh, the one for my favorite Peter Gabriel songs, Games Without Frontiers, mm-hmm. which is also just like totally creepville. This one yeah. creeps me out mm-hmm. to knowing when I see it. It's Last Dance with Mary Jane. Tom Petty. Tom and Petty. a Heartbreaker. Yeah. Oh, Tom Petty Last had Dance. his own strangeness. That, that's a creepy video. Video. The one where Tom takes home Kim Bassinger, Kim who was Bassinger. not his first choice, by the way, yeah. proceeds to dress her up in a wedding gown, mm. dance with her, and then throw her off a cliff. And throw her off a cliff. You remember the video, and I'm not a big Rolling Stone fan, but you remember there was a video that they did, because they had one really big album right after MTV started, for a song called Too Much Blood? No. Which was directed by Toby Hooper? No. As a horror film. See, I wouldn't remember. An actress at home watching television, and she gets invaded. This sort of storytelling, because this was the thing, is that there were still, here we are, the band, sitting here playing our instruments, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Journey was famous for that. It was funny, when you look at stuff like Journey did, Mm -hmm. the heavy metal bands got music video right away, which is why you had those wonderful Twisted Sister videos. Mm -hmm. Well, they were doing 
theater yeah. anyway on the stage. Yeah. You know, the video was made for people like Alice Cooper yeah. and Ozzy Osbourne and Kiss. Video was made for guys like them because this yeah. is what they were doing anyway. All you got to do is just put a camera right in front of them and say, okay, well, do what you do. <laughs> and right. they went ahead and they did it. Many of the other arena rock bands, and Journey is the one I, I like to cite here. Oh, Journey is. Yeah. Almost treated music videos with contempt. Is it safe to say that Journey is bigger now than they were back then? It's weird. It yeah, is yeah weird. isn't it though? You have little five-year-old kids singing. And now I yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Where did like, you hear that song from? <laughs> or like those overblown, overproduced videos that Meatloaf used to do. Ah, uh, yeah. Paradise by Dashboard Lights. The music that he did for those two albums, which was not written by him. What, Jim Steinman? Jim Steinman. Steinman. I can't stand Jim Steinman's work, because Jim Steinman's work is so over the top and so overblown. Supposed to be. It's opera. And usually the videos... Remember the video for the one that he wrote for Bonnie Tyler, Total Eclipse of the Heart? Oh. What the hell was that all about? Yeah, yeah. Total Eclipse of the... Now, you want to talk about video is theater. That's not video is theater. That's video is science fiction. Yeah. What was the kids with the glowing eyes? What was that all about? What was the guy with the wing? In the last couple of years, it's this hilarious meme called The Literal Video, where somebody will get a hold of a video and redub it with lyrics that are absolutely the exact thing, thing of what that's you're going saying. On. Yeah. Somebody did a literal video for Total Eclipse of the Heart that just had me breaking up. It with has laughter. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Now, see, now you want to talk about over the top. It starts out as over the top, mm-hmm. and where it ends up, nobody knows. I remember when that video came mm-hmm. out, yeah. and people were looking at it, and they were saying, what was that supposed to be about? Nobody had any idea. Bonnie Tyler said she didn't know. Yeah. She showed up for work one day, and they said, okay, you do this, you do that. Well, why is he there, and why is that? Don't worry about it. Just do what we tell you. And that was it. And then around 1989, 1990, mm-hmm. MTV started introducing original programming. Oh, yeah. Starting with uh, remote control. And the game shows. Yeah, they started having the remote control. Which you were on. Which I was on, as it was outlined. See, folks, I told you, everything is circular. Which (laughs) was outlined, the episode guest starring Ken McIntyre. Then they had the Ben Stiller show, and the Julie Brown show, and the Colin Quinn show, which actually I thought was pretty hilarious. Mm -hmm. And the thing was, of course, it was a sitcom, but there were still music breaks in the middle. Right, yeah, you still had your music. But I guess it's the nature of anything, is that it feels it's got to change and evolve. And what happened was that it was really funny, because, correct me if I'm wrong on this, VH1 was born because MTV wasn't showing videos anymore. VH1 was born because they weren't showing certain kinds of video anymore. Mm -hmm. Because, remember, VH1 was supposed to be the adult version of MTV. Okay. So all the stuff that went away, the older acts, the softer acts, two things kind of happened at the same time. MTV Raps brought a much heavier urban spin to things, Mm -hmm. and you had the ascension of the hair metal bands and later on grunge. So the softer stuff, the Rod Stewart's and the Nick Lowe's and all them, they got... I love Nick Lowe, man. <laughs> Nick Lowe is one of my heroes, but... <laughs> Cruel to be counted in the right... I love that. Hey, and you know what? Thanks to Whitney Houston, yeah. Nick Lowe has fuck you money now. Yeah. And he was drunk in an alley somewhere. After he divorced Johnny Cash's daughter, he got deep into his addictions, and then out of nowhere, somebody decides to cover What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. Mm-hmm. And he suddenly finds himself with money, gets himself sober, and now he sits at home, and every once in a while he's like, I feel like jamming with a group of surf rock guitarists who wear luchador masks. Let me see what Lost Straight Jackets is doing. 
And whatever he wants to do, he just goes out and does it. I remember seeing an interview with Dolly Parton, and she was asked, you wrote the song, I Will Always Love You, and yeah. you did it, and it went nowhere, and now Whitney Houston does it. And, oh, but do you ever get mad about that? And she said, well, I'll tell you the truth. I used to get mad about it. I was. She said, then I started getting royalty checks. Yeah. And now, she said, I don't have a problem with it. To this day, she's still getting royalty checks mm -hmm. from Whitney Houston's version of I Will Always Love You. There so, you go. Yeah. They have a program on TV One called Unsung, where they do the mm -hmm. life story of different R&B artists, right. and they did Bobby Womack. Bobby Womack, I had no idea that he wrote a song became one of the biggest hits of the Rolling Stones. They covered it, and he was upset about it until he said, Sam Flip slapped me upside the head. He said, do you realize how much money the white boys are going to make you? And his first royalty check was $30,000. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I stopped complaining about people right. covering my songs at that. <laughs> I love hearing stories like yeah. that. That's why VH1 started. It was for the older folk who didn't want to hear Stone Temple Pilots and all this other like... Spin Doctors. Spin Doctors. What happened to them? I can hear them right now asking, do you want fries with that? <laughs> I saw two princes the other day and I said, oh my God, I haven't seen this yeah. thing in 15 years. I said, what happened to them? <laughs> Now, we still had music video directors who were then graduate, like we had Michelle Gondry, Spike Jones. Yeah, Spike Jones. Who, who did a, who, lot yeah. those, a lot of those really wonderful Beastie Boy videos. Yeah. No Sleep Till Brooklyn. And of course, my favorite, we've talked about this before, the, the video for Body Moving, where he cuts the Beastie Boys into Danger Diabolic. Yeah. A guy we might mention, Spike Jones, who has went on to be a very respected yeah. film director. He also did a lot of York stuff, too. Yeah. Early on. Now, there's an artist who benefited yeah. from her video. Well, she started out as a member of the Icelandic group The Sugar Cubes, mm -hmm. which I've always described as Iceland's answer to the B-52s, only Iceland never understood the question. <laughs> I loved them because they were just so bizarre. I saw them live a couple of times. Whenever I saw them live, it was always, I like her, can't stand him. Einer, who was the male vocalist. And eventually she apparently agreed with me and went off on her own. There's only one act I've ever seen live that not only met my expectations, mm -hmm. but exceeded it as to how over yeah. the top they were. Funkadelic and Paul. Well, of course. Well, Funkadelic is pure musical theater. Oh, my God. I saw them in Madison Square Garden. I don't know how much of the length of the shows they do now, but back then, yeah, they did like a two-hour yeah. show. And then Bootsy Collins came out mm -hmm. to do his, because he would always end up, oh, it was like phenomenal. They also, because when I went to see the show, they had little right. videos that they would show, because they had a whole mythology about the mothership right, exactly. and, and Dr. Funkenstein and everything like you that. You know who else benefited a lot and really took to the idea of videos as theater? Who? Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, absolutely. I wonder if his career would be where it is today if music video hadn't come along. Granted, yeah, he was this goofy, weird-looking guy with glasses, but he knew how to exploit it and Yo. created the first real musical parodies. When he did the one, I'm fat. Yeah. Michael Jackson, that's when he blew up. Yeah, and he did it dead on. Matter of fact, he got Martin Scorsese to film that, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And they filmed it in the exact same spot. Mm -hmm. He got some of the people who had been in Michael Jackson's yeah. video. It was such a well-done parody that if you weren't paying attention, look, you say, wait a minute, what did I just see? Very well done. But I think that somewhere in the 90s, there was a, a sea change away from the idea of music video has mini-movie and became more and more about the performance clip. Granted, there were always bands like that, like that, like Weezer. 
We just did that video for Buddy Holly where they were the house band for Arnold's. Yeah, okay. And they did Beverly Hills, the one where he gets the phone call from Hugh Hefner about, hey, you want to throw a party here? Okay, that one I didn't see. Some of the real interesting stuff was going on in rap videos. Oh, yeah. Well, that kind of took over for a while because that was the dominant music at which, the time. Which, which yeah. leads to another one of my favorites, but not for the reasons that it was so good, but because it was just unbelievable weirdness, which was, of course, the Sir Mix-A-Lot video. Oh, maybe not that. Oh, man. It cracks me up that somewhere in Seattle, there is a junkyard mm-hmm. with a giant foam but I love the opening. Oh my God! God yes, he just looks like a total prostitute. Or like yeah. the Digital Underground stuff. I love the Digital Underground. Oh, stuff. Digital Underground is classic. A lot of people forget about it. Tupac Shakur. Yeah, that's where he started at. All you got to do is put on the Humpty Dance. But I even think the other one is even better. The one they did for that movie. Do what you? Oh, all around the world. Everyone all, talks about the Humpty Dance. I do think around, all around the world is the crown jewel in the Digital Underground. Them give five. Yeah. Yes, I love the Humpty. Dance. But I don't know something about all around the world. You just listen. You cannot help but get up. Even as late as the '90s, you had these bands that were being made by their music video. Blind Melon. Yeah. Okay. No rain. That. No rain. Yeah. No rain. Yeah. No rain. No rain would ever have been the monster hit it was if it wasn't for that video. For that little girl. girl in the Bumblebee outfit. If it had been, I watched it. Right. And I said, I can't stand the song, but I love the little girl in the Bumblebee. And after all, she's so cute. No one else. Cake. Cake. Oh, yeah. We're going the distance. They're going for speed. Although, they were these people... Later on, they started to follow the whole Godly and Cream idea of making videos that were anything but about the song. Yeah. So you had, uh, was it Short Skirt, Long Jacket? Which was yeah. a, a series of little short interviews where they were asking people in New York and Los Angeles mm. various things. Yeah. While the music played. While the music was playing, yeah. Or uh, Love You Madly, which is the baking competition. There was one other person. Right now. Right, this right now. No. The song right no, now. Like, but you do have people like, was it the, the Brand New Heavies? I don't remember the name of the song. No, I said right now. I meant the song right now. Right? Oh, that, that's yeah. Van Halen. Van Halen, yeah. Sammy Hagar. So, right, like, right now. Which, 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 they didn't yeah. sing there, but they had the whole narration. With and the they questions. Had, with the questions on, yeah. and the thing going on. Now, that what I like. And they had the whole thing. And they said, okay, well, right now, so-and-so is going to yeah. his music solo. Right. But you didn't see the band play. And at the end, they go into the stage and say, okay, well, well right now, we got to go. You get what you give. That's the name of the brand new heavy song. Yeah. Okay. It was a really clever video. It was the band in a mall capturing people. It caught on due to the video. And... The thing that was wonderful is that this guy decided he made enough money and said, okay, that's it. No more brand new heavies. Yeah, well. Another artist, I think, in the 90s who got his bump from his videos was Mm. Beck. Yeah, okay. You look at where it's at. The thing was, you got the impression that Beck just came up with 95, 100 things he wanted to put in a video. Mm -hmm. And just threw them at the director. And said, okay, here, I want to dress up like Candyman. And I want to have two guys fighting. Here's a picture I took from an old textbook. Mm -hmm. I want to replicate. And I want Tom Servo from MST3K in it. They just threw what struck him at the moment. Let me put that in there. But yeah. Going back to when you talk about the rap video, there were a lot of Sir Mix a Lot one. That's the one people still remember today. Bust the move. You yeah. said that everybody remembers Bust the Move. You say, oh, okay. Bismarck, it's Biz, such Bismarck. A shame. <laughs> sorry. It is such a shame that Bismarck had to run afoul of Gilbert O'Sullivan. <laughs> because Bismarck was an artist made for music videos. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing how many of these early rap videos. And I watch them, and they still hold up. They work as the best of any theater performance. 
that you watch. The classic one, a lot of people don't remember. But at the time it came out, you and I remember this thing like blew up the music scene. Yeah. Aerosmith and Run DMC. Right. This way. That blew up the music scene in a way. A lot of y'all don't remember this, but it was unheard of at the right. time. And that was a monster. Revitalized their career. It's funny because everyone talks about that's the first time there was a... But there wasn't. No, well, Public Enemy did a version of one of their songs with Anthrax and had a video for it. Okay. Fight okay. the Power. Fight the Power, yeah. And but, that, I think, precedes. Mm -hmm. it, it appeared first on one of... Public Enemies records ended up here on Anthrax record. It was the same thing. And then they went out on tour together. I think that did more bridge the gap between the rock fans and the rap fans. But the one that we remember and yeah. the one that we hear is that one. Even back and again, then, it was because of the video. Right. Because it was such a powerful image. For those of you who haven't seen the video, it's on one stage, Run DMC right. is playing, and Aerosmith is on the other. And then they kick down the yeah. wall between them, and then they start singing together. They... With Run DMC, I prefer the early, like, rock box. Here's a name that I'm sure you haven't heard for a long time. Houdini. Oh, man. Houdini's videos were big. The you know, freaks like, come out at yeah. night. The freaks come out at night. <laughs> to this day, one of my memories of U68, the great public access video channel that was on channel 68 in New Jersey and that we got for a glorious thing about a year mm -hmm. was the grand premiere of Funky Beat by Houdini which featured Oogie the, Oogie, Oogie. <laughs> the, the puppet from Uncle Floyd uh -huh. just going Funky Beat Funky Beat if I guarantee you if I go upstairs now and I put on please come out at night we will have to get out the way because Patricia will clear the floor. <laughs> that Whenever I hear people start talking about rap and they talk about, oh, yeah. this one is fantastic and this one is fantastic and this one, and it's hard for me. It is because I grew up with Curtis Blow, right. Houdini, Run DMC. It's kind of hard for me to get excited about what's going on now when I grew up with these guys. Well, I've stated in the past, Chuck D once famously said in the, in the, in the 80s that rap music should be the CNN for the African-American community. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And for those of you who look at, and I think, yes, he's become something of a clown nowadays, mm -hmm. but go back and look at those early Public Enemy videos, and you see why Flavor Flav right. was such respected back in the day as being the front man yeah. for the group. Yeah, he sold out, and I'll be the first one to say it, he's clown, but back then, when he was really serious about what he was doing mm -hmm. and his music, him and Chuck D, they were forced to be reckoned with. I think the problem is far too much rap music that I hear, it's totally devoid of any relevance. I have no idea. Okay, for instance, this new guy that they're talking about, oh, this is the next Who? big thing. Drake. I have no idea what he's talking about. And maybe it's because of my age. First one to admit it. Maybe it's not relevant to me or what's going on about what's happening with the people. Because that's what rap should be about. It should be about the expression of an age. Right. And when I was coming up, rap Well, apparently, the age that we're in now is the age of, I just want to wear Jordans, I just want to drink Cristal, I just want to have all the rap that I hear on the radio today. Because mm -hmm. every once in a while, like, I'll be working with somebody, I'll turn on whatever you want on the radio in the store. Yeah, yeah. And they'll put on 104.1, I think it is, which is like the major rap station here in New York. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I want to get laid, yeah. I want to buy something new. I am so wonderful because I have all this new gear that you do not have. Yeah, exactly. It's That's all shallow. It's all materialistic driven. When you put on something like White Lines, 
which was one of the most important records as ever. Hell, even Houdini, The Freaks Come Out at Night, is more relevant because it's something that says something about just having a good time. Right. Just why can't we just go out and have a good time and part? We don't have to have a lot of money. See, we don't have that's to. That's not you know. to say that I have a problem with frivolous rap. Digital Underground, which you just praised, was nothing but frivolous. Although, oh, yeah. even then they had things like No Nose Job. Which no was Nose about, Job, right? Yeah. Which was a song uh, about proud of who you are. Right. Be proud of your blackness. But now it just seems like it's all about I'm better than you because I got money. Look at my money. Yeah. Look Look at yeah. my change. Yeah. Look at my look, hat. Look, look at my look. money. Or the females who claim that they embracing their bitch. Well, yes, I'm a bitch and I'm proud of it. Well, you end up with stuff like Nicki Minaj. But we tore a new one last episode. Just let me say for those of you who are fans of Nicki Minaj, I do not mean to disparage you liking her. All I'm just saying, and I think you'll agree with me, Tom, she just doesn't speak to me. No, I don't doesn't. relate to her because I don't understand. Well, my incomprehension is I can't imagine who she is speaking to. Well, first of all, I think the first thing to me is that I relate to is talent. Yeah. I really like it if you can sing mm. and if I can understand what you're singing about. There are some artists I don't particularly care for, but I recognize their talent. Yeah. Mary J. Blige, another one, I really don't get her because she's like Nicki Minaj and the Black right. Eyed Peas. Every single one of her songs sound the same. My life is so hard. I feel like I want to die. And my man is... Well, okay, sweetheart, I got it. Right. <laughs> Lighten up once in a while. I have a cookie. Yeah, but I do not deny that she has talent. Yeah. The one thing is that we've seen a migration of music videos from television to the internet, starting at the turn of the century. And I think one of the things is we've seen a return to the thing that we like, mm -hmm. which is the music video as storytelling. Right. Granted, there were still some artists, like I said, we talked about Weezer. Ben Folds, a kid would do things like the video for Rock in the Suburbs. He I would, love Ben Folds. Oh, you know me. I could talk about Ben Folds all day. I recently watched on YouTube, because me and you are big fans, right. of the sing-off. Right. And if you guys aren't big fans of the sing-off, then you really need to be. Yes. I just said, let me just go find that clip, because I wanted to see it. The one where he has everybody in the audience. Oh, yeah, the not the Oh, my. The one that he did with Dartmouth Air. Yeah. The and that's a song. great song, too. It's a great song, and he just has the whole audience. Yeah. He just turns it into a whole lesson out of sing. And I will Acapella. admit it, I was singing along. I was singing, I too. was doing the thing, like, okay, which level am I? And I can't sing to save my life. <laughs> I can't, but I, yeah. And I am oh. so glad we're getting a new Ben Folds 5 album this year. Because oh. apparently he did that retrospective mm -hmm. this past year in 2011 called Best Imitation of Myself. Massive three-disc set. And he did two or three songs that they had written that he never recorded. Because mm -hmm. he got the old band together, the other two members of Ben Folds 5. They liked it so much, they said, well, let's continue doing this. Let's just do it. Why not? Awesome. Ben Folds is and you're getting these, I think, particularly among the indie guys, look at what's called like the popular music these days, and it's just the usual gabagoo. Jibba jabba. <laughs> but you look at like some of like the indie guys and mm -hmm. the videos that they do. I talked about a couple of them in the last episode. New Pornographers for Move. That was great. Howling for You by the Black Keys. I talked about Crossfire by Brandon Flowers, which I just absolutely love. Because what man wouldn't want to be saved by Charlize Theron wielding a mean samurai sword? I gotta find that bitch. Brandon that? Flowers, Crossfire. Brandon Flowers, Crossfire. Because you see I'm making a list of videos yeah. here. <laughs> the thing that kind of dismays me about the modern music video is... The one thing you can't deny about music videos as a whole since the 80s is it has definitely changed the way we look at movies. Oh, absolutely. Shorter cuts, a lot less expository dialogue, a lot more visual composition as opposed to compositions that get the story across. 
Well, the first thing that they started doing, and you can always tell yeah. when this is something that catches on, you saw every movie that came out during that period. Had, that to have a, had, yeah. to, had to have a music video. In the last episode, I was talking yeah. about one of my favorite ones, Billy Ocean, the one he right. did for Jewel of the Now, When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Get Going. And in the actual video, the stars, Michael Douglas, right. Kathy Turner, and Dan DeVito, are doing their temptations that they're backing them up with a full orchestra. My absolute favorite movie tie-in video, and it's one that it's my favorite because because the movie did so poorly. What's that? Matchmouth's All Star, which was done as a tie-in for Mystery Men. Oh, okay. Now here's what happened though. Mystery Men came out. I got a chance to see the video before the movie came out, so I got to see where the film clips interest first. But if you remember in Mystery Men, there's this whole subplot about Ben Stiller being Mr. Furious, and he once lifted up a bus to save some people. Mm -hmm. And it turns out he didn't lift up the bus. He, he was exaggerating all that long. The video revolved around this incident. So there was oh. actually a bus in the video, mm -hmm. and Ben Stiller lifts it up. Mm -hmm. However, the movie bombed. So the video got pulled. They cut out all the references to Mystery Men. However, there's still a big honking bus in the middle of the video. For no absolute For no reason. really apparent reason. With some hands hanging out of it. Okay. Another group that did really good story videos is uh, the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, okay. I mean, hell, you get two stories in the One Week video. Mm-hmm. One Week, yeah. Because you get the one with them in the court, and then they, they cut away, and you get the one with the female Evil Knievel. Mm-hmm. Gonna jump over them and stuff. Right. Billy Joe, I liked what he did for... Okay, I don't know why, but I... Well, I do know why. To me, this is the best video of all time. Mm-hmm. It's just him and his band. A one, a two, two a one, two, three, four. Dun, dun, dun. Love yeah. is just a yeah. yeah. There's no special effects. There's no anything. It's just him. Of course, as I live in Brooklyn, yeah. I assume it's a Brooklyn neighborhood. But you look and you get a sense of the whole life of the neighborhood yeah. because everybody, all these diverse people, are coming together and listening to him Which and his band a, play the music. A video that's very similar to that is Green Day's Time of Your Life. Well, okay, Where yeah. you have those little vignettes that keep interlapping and yeah. intersecting with each other. Right. Throughout it's the a, three minutes of the song. It's another one he did where Billy Joel is in the courtroom. Is it in this? It's from the Innocent Man's album. I know yeah, that. Well, it's from the, because the whole Innocent yeah. Man was the whole 50s doo-wop doo thing. thing. Yeah. Doo thing. Yeah. yeah, and that was from it. You know what's another Green Day video that I really liked? Nice Guys Finish Last. I haven't seen that one. You like how the NFL Network has those films? It was a dark day in the tundra. <laughs> So it's a Green Day concert, as if it was an NFL film. And, and, and it starts with a coach coaching. All right, Billy, you go enter the stage, get your mark here, mm -hmm. and then you go here, and then, all right, let's go. Come on, It is such a bizarre moment. But people are refining new ways to do these things mm -hmm. again, fun ways to do this. It's just, unfortunately, what most people think of as music videos nowadays is that video slips like what we get with Katy Perry. Or uh, just Katy Perry coming out in different outfits. Well, yeah. Although, of course, there is that, what was it? Yeah, because you know for what? California Girls where he's actually shooting, was it whipped cream out of her bustier or something? Oh, yeah. I don't get Katy Perry uh, like you do. What's to get? I don't think she's that attractive. Is Zooey Deschanel's head on top of a porn yes, star's body? What's to get? What's Every the, time I bring her up, I have to mention that. What's to get? <laughs> I don't understand you. Do I think she's a great artist? But I know me. I actually don't like that video. You know what I think they should have filmed and used as the yeah. video? What? It was the live performance she did with Snoop. It was one yeah. of them awards show. Another person who makes great videos right now. Whoa. Eminem. I have never seen an Eminem you video. Never, okay. It's not that I don't like Eminem, but I just don't. Like him either. Without he, me. He's just there. Okay, look up Without Me. And the two videos he did with the loose coalition of Detroit rappers he put together called D12. Purple Hills and My Band. 
Those are genuinely funny, and they show a really active, fun imagination. Okay. I've never seen... And when you tell people that, oh, well, yeah. I've never seen... Why? You don't like him? No, it's not that I don't like him, but he's all right. I just never really felt compelled to go seek out his music. I'm sure he's good, otherwise he wouldn't be where he is now. So, let's see. We've been banging on around for about one hour and 11 minutes. Well, hopefully we've given people... What does this boil down to? We kind of like certain music videos. We like music videos. And I'm sure I'm like a lot of people out there when I got a couple hours, I'm not doing anything. Oh, 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 I got another one. I got another one to recommend you. Okay, there's a folk duo called Mm -hmm. the Watson Twins, who are actual female twins. Okay. First off, I should hope so. Two hot brunettes. Okay. That's all I they did. They, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. They did this one where they did a variation on the famous duck soup Groucho Harpo thing. Yeah. Where it's one of them is carrying a mirror around, and every once in a while you see her twin. She can only interact with it if she's looking in the mirror. Oh, okay. It's actually pretty, pretty the clever. Name? The name of the band is the Watson Twins. The Watson Twins. They are very, very, very Yeah, cute. but I'm like most people now, whereas instead of back in the day when I would turn on my TV... And I would watch videos on MTV. Now I turn on my computer. Hell yeah. And I go on YouTube and I watch videos for two or three hours. Not that it's a great story, but because it's an interesting concept. A band that I've talked about recently on Sing Along Scriptures. Mm. Something corporate. Okay. A band where the lead singer realized he had leukemia. Broke up the band. Decided he got better. Formed a new band. Then decided he missed his old band. But anyway, back when he found out he had leukemia, they did a video for a song called Punk Rock Princess. It's an interesting visual because they're trying to convey the fact that this girl feels very much out of place in her world. Okay. So what they do is they keep cutting back and forth, very quick cuts back and forth between the real world and then the same place but with just the one actress. Oh, okay. A very nice sort of visual representation of the concept. Well, which I think that we can agree on. And what we're trying to point out, that the visual element, which is one thing, before we get ready to wrap this up, do you think that the visual element of a video is more important than the music? Or should it always be about the music, first of all? Well, it's just like a comic book. It should be the melding of both things. Fair enough. You know what, the reason why I think so many artists are no longer doing story videos and doing elaborate videos? Mm-hmm. It's because they're doing all their weird tricks on the stage show. On we the just talked show, about yeah. New Year's Rock and Eve and how you had Will I Am with the video head. Yeah, and yeah. You had <laughs> Lady Gaga with her Weebles Wobble But They Don't Fall Down dress mm-hmm. and Nicki Minaj with that immense skirt. And all these people had all these weird visual gimmicks to get their music across, which to me means that they don't really have enough in their music to get their music across. Because to me, all that weirdness, you can save that for the video. Yeah. But when you come on a stage to perform, I want you to come out and perform. Although I do remember hearing one time somebody was complaining, actually complaining Mm -hmm. about Mariah Carey. Yeah. They were complaining about Mariah Carey's show. Doesn't she look like a freaking porcelain doll now? So what's wrong with that? It just freaks me out. Everything freaks you out. No, there's a commercial where she's singing. It's for Jenny Craig. She looks practically embalmed at this point. Well, you know, Mariah Carey's always had issues about her age. She's married to Nick Cannon, who's what, like 10 years younger than her? Mm. She's always been like very age conscious, not looking her age, even though what? If she isn't 40 already, she's right on there. But I was listening to somebody was complaining about Mariah Carey, how they didn't like going to see Mariah Carey live. Why? Because she doesn't move. She doesn't do anything. It's not like, oh, Beyonce, where Beyonce gives you a whole, where she's dancing around and jumping. I don't necessarily need to have that in a live show. To me, I would rather have an artist just stand there and just sing if that's what you're going to do. And all that other stuff that you're going to do, 
You don't necessarily have to recreate the video for me in your live show. Because as you and I well know, you don't have all the energy to be doing all that jumping around right. and dancing and blah, 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 blah. And then you sing too. Which, and then you get people complaining, oh, well, they were lip syncing. Well, what do you want them to do? They right. can't do acrobatics and sing at the mm -hmm. same time. And I don't expect the actor to. I kind of like the four times. Remember, four times you used to come out and just right. do, they just did the rock all night long. <laughs> that's, that's all they did. And we were happy. All right. I was happy with that. One of my absolute favorite musical experiences was going to see Lloyd Cole. No, even better than that. Seeing Warren Zevon mm -hmm. live. The, the idea was he had this band, The Odds, which mm -hmm. was an alt-rock band from Toronto. They came out, they were the opening act. Then they would take their instruments, move them to the rear, and they would be Warren Zevon's backup band for the night. Oh, okay. And it was just Warren Zevon mm. and a guitar, telling stories, mm. and singing songs. There you go. Sometimes that's all you need. Other times, yeah, you do want all that glitz and flat. Yeah. Sometimes you want Kiss, and sometimes you want Warren Zevon. Exactly. I'm just glad that we got both of them, exactly. you know, in a different way. But I don't want Kiss all the time, and I don't necessarily want that I mean, Kiss I mean all even the time. then you get the, the weird happy medium, like Tori Amos, one of the things I used to love about seeing Tori Amos live is that she was the first pianist in the rock era since Jerry Lee Lewis who realized that you could do something really kind of dirty by playing the piano. The only two artists that ever realized that was Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard. They were yeah. the only two that, yeah, they could do something dirty with a piano. Yeah. Nobody else has ever really done that since those two. The way Tori Amos would just kind of like move while she was singing, mm -hmm. you were like, oh man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. To review, boils down to we kind of miss music videos. Yes, we do. But thankfully, we got YouTube, so mm -hmm. we can go revisit all of our favorite videos. Matter of fact, once we get done with <laughs> this, I'm going to go look up some of these anyway. Some of these I will be putting up on the Better End of the Dark. Yeah. King Tut, definitely, because we yes. were talking about King Tut in the last King episode. Tut. It makes me sad that a whole generation will go without seeing Steve right. Martin do King Tut. Didn't that thing become number one? That's it how was, big it was. It was at least a top 40 It was 40 at least hit. a top 40 yeah. hit. Yeah, because I remember Casey Kasem. Yeah. Listening to him, Casey Kasem top yeah. 40, and I distinctly remember... They just don't make these novelty songs anymore. No. It's sad. It really is. It's sad. Like, you're talking about Convoy and yeah. One-Eyed Purple People Eater yeah. going back to that. They, they don't... Remember Dickie Goodman? No, who's Dickie? Dickie Goodman was the guy. He, once every couple of years, he would do these records where it would be him planning to be a reporter at some sort of event. Oh, and yeah, he would interview yeah. people, and the answers would be would be a snippet of a song. Yeah. yeah, we don't get that anymore. Well, madam, what was happening when your husband came home? He kept on knocking, but you can't come, come in. in. You're yeah. right. They would do things like yeah. Perhaps I remember. his most famous song was Mr. Jaws. Yeah, I remember that. We don't. I mean, have, we in don't, a way, Weird Al is probably the last novelty. He is. Yeah, he's the last novelty. And but you know, although you've got this whole geek rock movement with people like Adam Warrock. Oh yeah, right. Who I love Adam Warrock, who does the raps, the yeah. superhero theme rap. Yeah, MC Lars and people like that who mm. are this coming generation's version of the novelty artists. Mm, yeah, you don't have it anymore. And to me, that's a shame because those songs were like okay, like me and you. All you had to do is just say King Tut, and what do we do? We right. broke out. We remembered every word of it. I couldn't tell you the words of a song I heard yesterday on the radio by Nicki Minaj mm. or. A Drake or whatever the flavor of the month right. is, or even Lady Gaga. But you say King Tut or I Flo know, Rida. A Flo Rida. I got a feeling, and that's all I know. It's Florida, but no, yeah. it's Flo. No, it's not Flo Rida. You get the Flo Rida. Okay. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. <laughs> Although I gotta admit, when he did that thing on the sing-off, where 
he had Pentatonics and Urban Method doing an arrangement. Yeah. For him of that song. Yeah. That was pretty cool. It's things like that that makes me think these guys are a lot smarter than they make themselves out yeah. to be. They know their stuff. Musically, they know what they're doing. Well, then if you know what you're doing, then why don't you present something a little bit more? But then again, they want to make a living and they got to present what right. the people want. And this is what the people want to buy, so... Yeah. Can. Well, we've already reviewed, so I guess it's time for the administrative. Yes. Whether you love us, whether you hate us, whether you want to say that Nicki Minaj is a gorgeous woman who has lots to say in her music that's very meaningful. Barf! In which case, you need help, man. You need to call Yay. that suicide prevention hotline yeah. that we're trying to raise money for. No, what you need to do is that you need to contact me <laughs> on Facebook, or you need to and I'll give you upside the head. No, and you need to hook me up with whatever it is that you're smoking, snorting, or drinking, because I would want I want some of that. Okay. <laughs> There's a number of ways you can reach us. You can send us an email to betterinthedark at earth-2.net, where you can also send your proof of receipt that you donated $10 or more to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Right. Which we outlined in the last episode. You mm, can join, run through it real quick. Very briefly, you guys wanted us to do a director's score to Brian De Palma. I don't like Brian De Palma. However, I'm willing to jump on the bullet if I get enough people to donate $10 or more to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. For each $10 proof that I see that somebody has donated $10, I will add another Brian De Palma film onto my Netflix. And when more than 25 of these donations have been received by me, we will record yep. a director's court on Brian De Palma. My partner's in this, so I'm in it too. We will record a commentary. Right. We're going well, to we're going to do, do the director's court first. We're going to do the director's court. For every $100 donations we get beyond that first 250 that we're looking for, I will do with Derek a commentary on... On a Brian De Palma film, we get to choose. So the first one we'll do is Phantom of Paradise. Yeah. No, well, after that, we'll do my favorite. We'll do Scarface. Okay, fair enough. So you have until the end of April, April 30th, 2012. So get those donations coming. You can join our message board at betterinthedark.proboards.com. You can join our Facebook page, which I have open right now, run by our good friend Kaylin Conley, who celebrated a birthday recently. Yay! And just go to Facebook, type in Better in the Dark, and just pull up a chair. It's the, well, the most active area. Of and all while you're at it, we should mention real quick, Kalen, he has a, a new fan, fan, fan page. page yeah. So please go to his fan Kalen page. Kalen B. Conley. And please like his fan page because we like him. That's our brother. That's right. You can also follow our Facebook because we both have Facebook pages. Yep. Derek has a blog of movie review goodness. The Ferguson Theater. And Tom has Damn Your Eyes, Damn Your Ears. Ten statements about. Also, Derek has... Blood, was it Blood and Bullets? Oh, Blood and Ink. Blood and Ink. Blood and Ink. I got Blood and Ink. Which and you is, got the Dylan blog. And I got the Dylan blog. Dylan blog is, of course, everything you want to know about Dylan. And Blood and Ink is where I cover everything else that I'm doing, there which includes The Adventures of Fortune McCall, which is currently available from Prose Press, yes. and Four Bullets for Dylan, which is currently available from Pulpwork Press. And both. not only that, you can get lots of other things from both PulpWorksPress.com and ProsePress.com, yeah. including How the West Was Weird in the case of Pulpworks Press. Volume 1 and 2, two. which has stories written by both myself and Tom. Outlaw Blues, which is yes. the sequel to Love and Bullets by Percival Constantine. That is the latest Isn't there book. a new Gantlet Brothers coming out soon, too? Oh, Gantlet Brothers Greatest Hits. 
Okay. If it's not out already, it should be out soon. And By our I'm good so, friend Joel Jenkins. Sorry about that, Joel. I should have mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Well, but, that's why I'm here. And you always <laughs> got my back. But if you go to the Pulpwork Press page at pulpworkpress.com, trust me, you can get all the information. And incidentally, if you are this. curious about the new pulp movement, be sure to tune in to Pulped every Monday night. It's still being broadcast live? Yes, it is. I believe okay. it is. Where would they find that? At pulp.com. Pulp.com. Okay. It's on Libsyn. Okay. Where we used to be. Yeah. All right. Also, we advise to look for Airship 27, mm-hmm. the home of our good friend Captain Ron. Who Salute. That's just what I did. Remember that from Heehaw? Yep. <laughs> I love Heehaw. If you go to Mystery Men and Women, Volume... Volume 2. Volume 2, you get to read another character in Derek's continuing and enlarging group of adventurers, Mm. The Man Called Mongrel, and hopefully coming before the end of this year... Right. The Shadow Legion, New Roads to Hell, the first book in a new series. I've read some of it, and I'll tell you, I envy those of you... Who have yet to read this. No, seriously. And I'm not just saying this because it's Tom. He's my friend. But this is original superhero fiction that elevates it. That I think is really going to take it up a notch. And if you're a fan of Richard Belzer, you definitely want to get this book too. Why? Detective Munchin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I meant to take. That's too easy. <laughs> That's too easy. Detective Munchin. I say, yeah. He's been in my when, fan fiction. When I read that, I said, yeah, Tom. You got to know where you're going with that. Okay. Yeah. That character with that name was in at least two different fan fiction series. You probably would be able to get away with calling it Detective Munch. I would be willing to bet you yeah. Richard Belzer probably, he probably wouldn't have a problem with that. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Richard Belzer, and I believe he's in the Guinness Book yes. of World Record for playing the same character in more television shows than any other actor. He's played Detective Munch in nine yeah. separate TV series. And I got the feeling Richard Belzer, he's a cool enough guy. If you did call the character, character Detective Munch... Oh, he wouldn't is carrying on the tradition. I'm willing to bet you the rent. He probably wouldn't mind. Okay. And finally, alteredvisions.org, Doug Bookie's fanfiction site, where Derek and I both do Avengers fanfiction. I cover the West Coast. And I do the main team, the Avengers, as is only right. Yeah. Okay. And that's it, I guess. Yeah. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we can't see. Well, we can't yell out. And go see that movie. So we're we'll going to yell out. Go listen to that. Go, go watch, watch that video. That YouTube video. I don't know. Okay, let's do that. One, okay, two, two, three. three. Go, go watch, watch that, that YouTube, YouTube video. video. Good night. Good night. Uh, uh, now I want to see Tori Amos play that piano again. I know you do. <laughs> you the Dalai Lama, Michael, comes across the Alps and wants to tutor Kirk. You know, into the ways of manhood. A musical. They wanted to do a spin-off with you. What do they call it? Hello, Dolly. Mama. Michael, I'm going back to Brooklyn. Listening to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas and Jan Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Michael and Scott of Tales of the JSA, Ron and Brandt of Zone 4, Des of Dread Media, Eric Froman, of course, on the lovely members of the Better in the Dark message board at betterinthedark.proboards.com. 
Men in the Dark knows this episode would not have existed if the Monkees had done their own form of music videos back in the 60s. So rest in peace, Davy Jones. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters, and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at Earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at Earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley, and why not leave a review of us on iTunes? Hey, maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.betterinthedarksite.com. And don't forget to check out all the amazing music available at www.b-and.com. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas E.J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that MTV should be a little more Colin Quinn and Liquid Television and a little less the situation in Snooks. I'm going back to Brooklyn. 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 I'm going back to Brooklyn. I don't think so. I'm going back to Brooklyn. 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 I'm going back to Brooklyn. Man, I don't think so. I'm Martha Quinn. The musical continue nonstop on MTV Music Television, the newest component of your stereo system.